Thanks for checking out the Power Place audio podcast. The Power Place exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence daily, to empower you with His Spirit and His Word so that you can engage your world. Here at the Power Place, we believe the Bible from cover to cover. And our prayer is that as you listen, the absolute truth of God's Word would bring complete freedom to every area of your life. Welcome to the Power Place. So good to see you in God's house today. It's good to be here. It's good to be alive and well. It's good to see God continuing to move. We had a Father Sunday yesterday. Pastor Jeremy uh, took us out to Matt Doughton's farm. Matt, what a gift you, you are to this house. And nobody died. As far as I know, there were not many injuries, and uh, that's always a win. Praise God. Uh, Don't know if you smelled the bacon today, but hope you got to eat some before it was all gone. Is it gone yet? We still have some. So, uh, you can't have it now, but after church, stop by, and and Linda and Becky, thank you ladies for uh, the gift that you give us every week, but um, especially today. Appreciate it. Amen. Pastor Isaiah was talking about lukewarm. Nobody wants to be lukewarm. You just kind of drift there. I don't think you set your mind to say, oh, if I could just be lukewarm. It's what happens when you're neither hot nor cold. When I was growing up, I used to think that that, um, God only wanted hot Christians. I heard it preached. You got to be hot for the Lord. Don't be cold or lukewarm. But the difference between hot and cold And lukewarm is that lukewarm is room temperature. It's just like everything else around it. Doesn't stick out. You don't taste it and you go, ooh, that's hot. You don't take a drink and go, wow, that's cold. It's just like everything else. And I would challenge us as a church not to be just like everything else around us. Even in the church world. You don't want to be like everybody else. You want to stick out because that's what the Lord's looking for. And when it's lukewarm, he says, it makes me vomit. I'm puking it up because it's not setting right with me. God's called us to be hot or cold. Amen. Amen. McKenna Bradford came home this week. Yeah. She's here. She's here. She's out in the hall eating, we pray. Pray that that girl continues to have the desire to eat, that she grows. 
Come here, Andy. Come show her off, man. This little girl's a miracle right here. Is Jackie coming? All right. Let me get on this side so I can see. Hi, girlfriend. Are you eating? Huh? Come on. Let's go. Talk to us. Uh, we've come a long way. It's been a wild ride. I just want to say thank you to everybody here. We've had a monster amount of support and uh, can, can um, definitely say that prayer has worked and we appreciate you guys. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Continue to pray for her. She's a miracle in motion. Welcome home, baby girl. Amen. Praise the Lord. Continue to pray for Paul Sheehan. Uh, God's doing a work in him. Raising him up. Back to life. So excited to see what God's doing. I believe he'll be out soon as well. Uh, Grace Barnes had a stroke. You know that. Some of you. Uh, we've been praying for her. was able to see her this last week in the hospital. And uh, began to sing some. We prayed. Uh, and she's lost her speech. Okay. Her ability to speak, put words together that make sense. And, and yet, as we began to pray and pray in the Spirit, she began to pray in the Spirit. And the room filled with his glory. And then, then we sang some songs, sang some old hymns. And I, I've got to tell you, I'm blown away at, at how the Spirit in a person can do what the physical person can't do. And she starts singing Amazing Grace with me. She starts singing Great is Thy Faithfulness with me. And, and God is working. God is putting those, those transmitters back together so that things can work properly. Keep praying and keep believing God for miracles. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is a, a house of miracles. And God's doing some amazing things. We just stay in the middle of what he's doing and, and obey everything he says to do. And... It's a beautiful thing. Amen. Well, it's, it's Father's Day, and there are some dad jokes that must come out. <laughs> Which country's capital has the fastest growing population? It's Ireland. Every day it's Dublin. <laughs> Every day. Every day it's Dublin. <laughs> Oh, baby, I love you, even though you hate my jokes. <laughs> a driver got a speeding ticket, went to pay the fine. The police clerk issued a receipt for payment, and the annoyed driver said, what am I supposed to do with this? Keep it, the clerk advised. If you collect enough of them, you get a bicycle. So I started to go to the gym this morning, couldn't find my membership card. New one costs 15 bucks. A donut and coffee is five bucks. Guess who saved $10? Don't be a stupid steward. Amen. Father's Day 2022. This is a big day. This is a, a day that, that marks something. 
And I, I'm excited to see all the fathers here today. Uh, the Census Bureau data shows that nearly 18 and a half million children grow up without their father, which has led to the U.S. owning the title of the world's leader in fatherlessness. And we're paying a high price for it. And, and it's not just that fathers have left. It's that, honestly, fathers that are sticking around aren't really there. Oh, they're present, but they're not engaged. They've shown up. They come home from work, but there's no real engagement with the children. The Holy Spirit spoke to me this week and he said, if you abdicate your throne of leadership, there are multiple voices ready to lead. And I feel like that's what happened in a lot of homes. We've abdicated our throne of leadership. God has placed you there as a leader. And I'm not just talking to dads today. I'm talking to, to parents, moms and dads. You, ha you have been given a throne of leadership. If you abdicate that throne, somebody's going to lead. I'm talking to bosses today. If you abdicate the throne of leadership, somebody's going to step in and lead. There are multiple voices ready and willing to lead. And most of them won't lead in a godly way. They don't care about your soul. Every one of us is a leader. And today I want to talk about leadership. Because you don't have to be a father to be a leader. Somebody's following you. Somebody's looking at you. Somebody's watching every move you make. And they're emulating who you are. Uh, someone said the, the worst thing about getting old as a man is that other men don't see you as dangerous any longer. And I thought about that. And I don't want that to be true of my life. I believe we can turn that around. No matter how old you are, you can be an intentional leader. Intentional leader who makes hell and the devil tremble in fear. Because the enemy has targeted families and specifically fathers. It's an all-out war. We know that. Because he knows we're dangerous to his destructive plans. So intentional Present leadership led by the Holy Spirit is our goal. Intentional, present leadership. Somebody say that with me. Intentional, present leadership. That's our goal. Led by the Holy Spirit. We follow the nudge of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God because obedience is the key to life. And if we can lead those who are following us, those who are watching us to obey the Lord, that's a huge win. If, if you can lead those who are following you to obey the Lord, that's what it's all about. We talk about daily encounters around here with the Lord. 
We talk about it a lot because your daily encounters with the Lord are the difference between you growing or dying in your faith. Daily encounters. If you don't have daily encounters with the Lord, you will eventually fizzle out. Sunday encounters are wonderful, and you need them. We all need them, but they can't sustain us spiritually. You've got to encounter his presence daily, not just once a week or twice a month or once or twice a year, depending on how often you want to show up. It matters that you are in his presence daily. Someone has said the conversion of a soul is the miracle of a moment. It's just a snapshot. But the manufacture of a saint is the task of a lifetime. That's the big picture. And men and women of God are made, not born. Men of God are made, not born. Women of God are made, not born. You're not born into this. You're born again into it, and then you begin to grow. You begin to, to nurture that, that spiritual growth inside of you. You begin to grow and, and develop as a child of the living God. And it's your daily encounters with the Lord that change you. James Clear says, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our habits. We don't rise to the level of our goals. Oh, I got some big goals. No, you, you fall to the level of your habits. What are you doing every day? What are you doing on a consistent basis? It's high time we took this seriously. Your daily encounters with the Lord really do matter. Not just for you, but for those who are watching you. You're a leader. Look at your neighbor. Tell them you're a leader. You are a leader. And in these last days, God is desiring to shape and mold fashion us, men and women of God, into a mighty army ready to do his bidding. And the problem is, many of us have gotten comfortable with being immature. It just feels good to be a kid. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to be, I don't don't have any, whatever. Many of have gotten really comfortable with being immature. And it's time to examine ourselves and our habits and make some decisions to grow up. Tell your neighbor, grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up and be the man and the woman of God that he's truly designed you to be. No more excuses. One of our core values here at the power place is excellence. You heard it this morning. Because excellence is a reflection of heaven. He gave us his best, so we give him ours. No more immature. No more lazy. No more complacent. No more good enough. Because good enough is the enemy of excellence. The streets of heaven are are even paved with gold. That's how excellent God is. He's not messing around. He sets the bar high. So we give him our best because he gave us his best. And as a godly leader, we strive for excellence on every level. 
I believe God is still looking as he did in David's time for men and women after his own heart. God knew he could trust David because David had spent quality time with the Lord. And only those kind of people will be able to handle and stand the incredible tests of these last days and genuinely affect their world for God. So how does God choose a person? How does God choose a person? I believe there are two sides. There's one is God's choice. And secondly, there's our human response to what he's asking of us. God chooses us and then we respond by the commitment of our life. And then people start to notice. You soon discover God's chosen ones by their conduct and their conversation that's been transformed by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. There's God's choice, your response. Two sides. God chooses, you respond. And many of us don't respond to God. And so we stay the same that we've always been. God wants to choose each and every one of us, but we've got to respond to him and say, yes, Lord. And I would say today, once again, don't be a stupid steward. If he asks you to be something, steward that well. Steward your time, your talent, your treasure, your tongue well. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul the Apostle writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he's instructing him and and giving all kinds of, of, he's just laying it out. He's laying it out hard and strong. And he says in verse 15, be diligent. Somebody say diligent. diligent. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Be diligent to present yourself because it's all about you first. And then it trickles down to those following you, those listening, those watching, those coming in your footsteps. The same thing the Lord said to, through Moses in Deuteronomy. You handle yourself well and then pass it on to your children. You, it's about you. You, you present yourself Approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not, but when you get around certain people, they have worldly and empty chatter. And it just goes on and on and on. And, and notice what he says here. Avoid it. It will lead to further ungodliness. Some of you are so involved in the world's stuff that that's all you can talk about. Go through your posts on Facebook. What are you posting? What are you talking about? Go through your conversations at work. What are you talking about? Where's it leading to? He says, avoid empty worldly chatter. It will lead to further ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. 
It'll get to the point where some things have got to be cut off. Some things will have to be removed from your life. It's that nasty. And then he calls some people out. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and they upset the faith of some. You're going to find, even in this house, there are some people who like to go around and talk. They like to chatter. And it's dangerous. And it upsets the faith of some. And I'll just tell you, your chatter will bring their blood on your hands. Some of us need to shut our mouths and quit talking about people. Quit talking about the leadership of this church. Quit talking about everything that you don't know everything about. It's empty, it's worldly, and it's destructive. He says in verse 19, nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands. The firm foundation of God stands. The firm foundation of God stands. You're not going to shake it. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Two sides. God's choice, the Lord knows those who are his. And secondly, everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. That's our response. God chooses us and we respond saying, God, I'll live for you. I'm going to abstain from wickedness. And things become very clear, very apparent with our conduct and our conversation. You'll begin to recognize people as they start to act out, as they start to talk as they start to do their thing on their way out. Are you hearing me today? We have people leave this church a lot. Some can't stand the fire because it tries to burn up the stuff in their life and they don't want it to burn up. They want to stay the way they are. We've had people that had their own vision. And I remind you that God has one vision for this house. Two visions is division. There's only one vision. Alignment, assignment, advancement. I'm just going to talk for a little bit this morning because... I'm feeling some things. Many who have left this church have said this church will cease to exist because we're leaving. All the big givers have left the church. It's going to go down. I'll give them six months. We're still standing. Stronger than ever. If you're big enough to take down God's church, even the devil couldn't take down the kingdom of God. 
I'm just saying. I don't know why I said all that, but I, I just know there's probably some stuff going on that needs to be addressed. Um, so it's very apparent what camp you're in by how you act, by how you talk, by how you live. And I'm challenging you today to be a good leader. Lead well. Lead by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. Because when God speaks, we have to listen and obey when we feel that nudge of the Holy Spirit. And I've approached some people that, that have pushed back on that and said, well, you're just doing what you want to do. No, no. I, if I did what I wanted to do, I wouldn't even be here. I never wanted to be a pastor. This is not my dream. I can tell you that. In fact, I, I told the Lord, no, thank you. I was, a, I was a teenager. People say, you're called to the ministry. I'm like, nope, not me. Mm-mm. I, I've, I've been on that side. I've watched, I've watched it. I'm, I've lived in the house. No, thank you. Don't need all that. And yet, when you obey God at whatever level he speaks to you at, things begin to happen and you begin to take steps in the right direction to do what he's asked you to do. And that's why we're still standing here today. This isn't man's choice. We, we, didn't, choose, we didn't choose this place. God chose it. God set this house in order. And we just have to simply listen and obey. Amen. 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 And I pray you go on the ride with us. It's, it's an exciting ride. But if you don't, that's fine. If you can't align with this house, then there's plenty of other houses around that you can watch online. Um, <laughs> did I say that? I did. Wow. Okay. There's God's part and then there's your part. And I think a lot of times we decide, well, I'm just going to let God change me when he wants to. No, he's like, come on, let's go. And, and he wants you to change. He, he loves you just like you are, but he loves you too much to leave it like that. Okay. He, he cares about you, but he cares too much to leave you exactly like he found you. He wants to change you into the image of his son, Jesus. And so verse 20, Paul goes on and he says, not a large house. They're not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Sounds like a choice to me. Because he says in verse 21, therefore, you know what the word therefore is, a transition word. Yes, what's it there for? Because it's taking one thought and moving to the next thought. So my mom taught me. Uh, she, she loved the, the English language. And he says, there's all kinds of vessels. Some are honorable, some are dishonorable. But therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, 
useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So you've got a choice in this thing. This isn't just, oh, I'm not an honorable vessel. No, he says, you've got a choice. If you cleanse yourself from these things, you will be a vessel for honor, fit for the master's use, sanctified, useful, holy, prepared for every good work, honorable. I, I have a mental picture of the cupboard and you got all these dishes in the cupboard and you, you go, you, you want to have your favorite cereal and you pull out the first dish and you, you put the spoon in and you, you start to pour in the cereal and you look at the bottom and there's gunk in the bottom of the bowl. <sighs> Who wants to put good cereal in the gunky bowl? Right? So what do you do? You put it back for the next guy. <laughs> That's what my kids would do. But no, you take that bowl, you scrub it out, you get it ready, prepared for every good work. It's got to be clean. It's got to be holy. It's got to be sanctified, ready to be used. You can't just let gunk happen in your life. And gunk does happen. It's part of life. It's part of just living and breathing. You get stuff in you. It's got to be cleaned out. And Paul reminds his son of the faith, if you'll just cleanse yourself from these things, you'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. And I believe God is coming to the cupboard of life going, who can I use? I got a job to do. Who can I? Ah, uh, gunk. Got to be cleaned out first. Not ready to be used yet. I don't want to be that vessel. I want to be the vessel that's ready, clean, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared, already cleaned up, sparkling. It used to be a, an old commercial, the Cascade commercial, the, the lady would pull the dishes out, you know, she's getting ready for a party and she'd pull the cup out and there'd be water stains. She'd go, oh, oh, oh. And, you know, then the Cascade thing would go in and she'd pull it out in a sparkling sheen. Ah, ooh, ah, no spots. Man, that's what I want to be. That's what you need to be as a leader. Sparkly clean. The sunlight comes in through the window and goes, ding. Hallelujah. Paul goes on to talk to his son in the faith, Timothy. He says in verse 22, after he's talked about vessels of honor, vessels of dishonor, cleanse yourself. You will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now, flee. Somebody say flee. flee. What does that mean? Well, we'll just stick around for a while. We'll hang out with whatever. And, uh, no, he said, get out of there. Get, run. Flee. Youthful lust. Because he's talking to his son of the faith. There's some desires in you that come naturally because you have a sin nature. So you need to fight against those. In fact, you need to run away from them. Flee from youthful lusts, 
And don't just run from, run to. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. There's some things you need to run from and there's some things you need to run to. And I'm telling you, you need to hang with the right people who are still running to God, who are still running to the things of God, who are pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. You do have a choice. You can choose to be any kind of vessel you want to be. And God's desire for you is that you be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared. He won't force you though. God never forces you to be a vessel of honor. He just says, here it is. Do you want it? And you cast the ultimate vote. You make the final decision. Jeremiah tells us, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I've got plans. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I'm telling you, cooperate with God and his plans for your life. Don't, don't let one moment in time define you. Because that's what the enemy of your soul wants to tell you. You're disqualified. Remember back when? Yeah. You'll never be. You can't. You got nothing to offer. You're disqualified. You can't be anything in the kingdom of God. And God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I spent the life of my son, Jesus, shed his blood on the cross so you can be qualified. You can be free from your past. You can be set up for your future. God has a future for you. You're not disqualified. You do have something to offer. God wants to take your pain and use it to minister to somebody else. God wants to take your mess and give you a message. He wants to transform you and your story. See, the enemy wants to lie to you because he's a liar. He's the father of lies. When he lies, he speaks his native language. That's what Jesus said. John chapter 8, verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And you know you can murder with just your words sometimes. Some of you have been assassinated by people's words. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's the enemy of your soul. Don't be like him. Don't give him an inch. Amen. So what kind of example are you laying down for, as a leader? Because we're all leading somebody. How are you speaking? Are you, you speaking life or are you speaking death? How are you living? Somebody's following your example. They're, they're following your life. In fact, the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm following his example, so you follow me. And he makes this statement in chapter 11 after laying down some pretty strong admonitions in chapter 10. He says, I'm living like this, so, so do the same. Follow me. 
He warns them from Israel's history. Look at it. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, all our ancestors were, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. They all went to the power place. They all went to the youth group. They all went to the same place. And yet, they didn't all have the same outcome. This is a warning. It's a warning from history. This has happened. If we don't look back at history and see what's happened, we'll do the same exact stupid stuff. And so Paul says, look at this, look at this. They all had the same experience, all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all baptized into Moses, the cloud and the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink. They drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. That rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. What? Are you kidding me? They all had the same experience. All had the same opportunity. And yet God was not pleased with most of them. Yikes. Then he says in verse 6, now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. I'm setting an example for you. Look at the example. God put this down so you could see it. Do not be idolaters as some of them were as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink got up to indulge in revelry, we're going to have a party, we're going to have food and drink and food and drink and indulge in a party. It's interesting to me that, that Christians get all upset when you try to touch their booze. Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus, remember Jesus? I do, I remember Jesus. I know him well. And I know America well. And I'm watching as America has made an idol of alcohol. And America's not handling it well. And this is a pathway. And it leads somewhere. And I can point you to some churches. Just hear me for a second. There are churches falling apart today because their leadership said, it's okay to imbibe every once in a while. But this is a pathway and it leads somewhere. And the end result is never good. And some of you have lived in alcoholic environments and you understand the destruction that it does in homes and in relationships. I'm pretty passionate about this. 
I was in Barbados, West Indies, sitting at the, the, the pool bar. I've been there many, many times. Multiple times in my life, multiple times on this trip. And I ordered a virgin, a virgin pina colada. Because they're, they're tasty. And the bartender was sitting in my, my swimming suit in the, at the pool. Set it down in front of me. I took one sip. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. That tastes awful. I said, no alcohol. She said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Brought me another one. Same thing. One sip. I'm like, hold on a second. I've never tasted alcohol in my life, but I'm, this taste tells me you've got to acquire this taste because it doesn't taste good. We got it straightened out. That was the only time that I, I had my two little, not that much out of the straw. And it was amazing to me. I said, I said to myself, I said to Christy, I'm not under, I don't understand how people can say this is important in life. This is so important that I will lose relationships over this. This is so important that, that I have my little buzz or high or whatever you get from it. It just relaxes me. It's so, folks, I'm telling you, you can be a vessel for honor, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Or you can be a vessel of dishonor. And it's not just about alcohol. But I'm just telling you, it's a dangerous path. People sat down to eat and drink, got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality. as Some of them did. And one day, 23,000 of them died. This is no game. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. I don't like snakes. I don't want any snakes in my life. Don't test Christ. And do not grumble. Oh, we like that one. Let's just keep grumbling because that's fun. We can talk about that all day long. We can get on everybody's nerves. Do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Paul's like, guys, this is serious stuff. This is big deal. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And then this is the verse we pull out of context and everybody loves it. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, 
He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Yeah. And it's true. And yet most of us never look for the way out. We get in the temptation, we're like, oh, I just can't help it. I better give in. What's everybody going to think of me? When you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. There's that word again, flee, flee, run, run from anything that is more important to you than God. Idols. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there's one loaf. We who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. You just can't do it. A house divided, it cannot stand. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? I have the right to do anything, you say. But not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything. But not everything's constructive. No one should seek their own good but the good of others. And I hear this all the time. I have the right. I have the right. Nothing in the Bible says that I can. I have the right. Yeah, but is it beneficial? Is it building you up or is it tearing you down? Is it constructive? Is it building those around you up or is it tearing them down? Does anybody want to follow you because you live this way? Uh, It needs to be beneficial. Because this is a pathway and it leads somewhere. And if you go down that far enough down that pathway, just keep going. You'll find that the end is destruction. There's a lot of crashed lives down there. And a few verses later, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. It's a big deal. He's my example, I'll be your example. I want to be so in tune and step with the Lord that you can follow me without hesitation. And don't say you're too young to make a difference. Paul told Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example. Age doesn't matter, but set an example. In speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So watch how you live. Make wise biblical choices, keeping in mind who you're influencing because someone's watching you. You are an influencer. Think eternally. How's this going to play out in eternity? 
what's the eternal value in this? Or is this going to eternally mess me up? You got plenty of examples. Be wise, get in his presence daily, listen to his voice speaking through the scriptures, follow the Holy Spirit's nudge, follow the example of godly men and women. Hebrews 13, verse 7, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. He's the same. He was the same back then for them. He'll be the same for you today. If they could do it, you can do it. Consider the outcome of their way of life. When I think about that, I think about my grandfather who started the generational blessing in our home. He led in such a way that his five brothers all followed him. They all became ministers and God used them in mighty ways to affect revival in Kansas. But he lived in such a way and I watched the outcome of his life. See, some people, you, you watch a slice of their life and you think, wow, they really got it going on. And then a few years down the road, and there's a lot of examples, and you can read the newspaper. Flash in the pan. Seemed like they got the world by the tail, leading thousands of people. And all of a sudden, what's been going on behind the scenes is revealed. And it wasn't what it was supposed to be. It wasn't what it seemed like. And I'm just telling you, there are some leaders who are leading well. And I'm asking you to be one of them. No matter what it looks like around you, be a leader in your home, be a leader on your job, be a leader everywhere you go, that kids can follow you, that adults can follow you, that everybody looks at you and says, I can follow that. Hang out with the right people. Emulate their lifestyle, imitate their faith. 1 Corinthians 5.33, one of my favorite scriptures, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Don't fool yourself into thinking you can hang out with the wrong kind of people. That's why Paul told Timothy, flee youthful lusts. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, hope, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. It matters who you hang out with. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Because your friends frame your future. Spend time with godly mentors. Even online. Some of you are online. You're looking up stuff. And you're, you're trying to say, who's got the latest, greatest, fattest, whatever word. And, and I'm, I'm just telling you, you got to hang with godly mentors. Even online. In person. In what you read. In what you watch on YouTube. In what you watch on your television. In what you watch. In the, it's got to be godly. Because there's an influence that comes to your spirit. When you hang with the wrong kind of company. Bad company corrupts good morals. Don't be deceived. Don't fool yourself into thinking. I can handle this. I'm better than this. I'm stronger than this. Don't deceive yourself. 
Christy bought a, a bag of oranges, brought them home, set them on the counter. I, I like oranges. I just don't like how hard they are to peel. Like, really? You got to be that hard and difficult to get it? So I picked one up. It was green and mushy on the bottom. It, it was rotten. And I noticed that the guy sitting next to him was starting to rot as well. I can handle this. I'm good. I'm good. Do not be deceived. You hang out with rotten fruit, you're going to get rotten yourself. It's going to affect you somehow. Something's going to get in your spirit to mess you up. You're better than that. You're a better leader than that. Tell your neighbor, you're better than that. You're better than that. It matters who you surround yourself with. It matters who you allow to speak into your life. And I'll just go ahead and say this. Not everyone, even in church, is a good influence. There's some people here you shouldn't hang out with. I'm just telling you. You need to know the difference. You need to have discernment. Now, you'll have a better chance of being influenced for good here in the church. Don't stay away from church because wow, they're all hypocrites. Yeah, there's hypocrites are everywhere. Walmart's full of them. You want to hang with the right kind of people that have a faith that you admire. Seek them out. Spend time with them. Find out what they did to get to where they are. Do that. Then influence well. Lead well. Don't abdicate your throne of leadership and allow every other voice to step in and have preeminence. Stand strong. Lead well. Follow Christ so closely that you don't veer off in any other direction or fall off the path that leads to life. Become a dangerous leader. Dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Dangerous to the things of this world. When your feet hit the floor, the devil should say, No! They're up. Oh, man, I thought I had them. They're back at it. They're going to cause damage to my kingdom. I'm telling you, Father's Day 2022 could be the beginning of something new and fresh in your life. Because I believe the Lord has chosen you, but it's time that you chose Him wholeheartedly. A vessel for honor sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Hanging with the right crowd. Listening to the right stuff. Not being tainted and, and, and marked by the, the negative. And what will happen is, as you choose God, we'll all recognize it. We'll all notice. We'll go, oh, man, some, something's changed there. That There's a change. There's a difference there. They're leading in a, a godly way now. 
I'm watching the fruit of their life and it's fresh fruit. It's not rotten fruit. It's, it's, it's got good taste, good color. You could, oh man, that's good. It's sweet. And everybody, you won't have to promote yourself. Hey, everybody, look at me over here. Look what I did. Look what I've done. Look at me. You don't have to do that when you're the right kind of leader. You'll just start to stick out. All of a sudden, you'll rise to the top. Everybody go, oh, look at that. Well, you know what? I haven't even, but I'm seeing it now. That's what happened to David. Wasn't promoting himself. He was just spending time with the Lord in his presence out in the sheep pen and out in the field. God said, Sam, go down, pick my next king. Sam shows up, looks at Eliab and goes, whoa. That's a good-looking king right there. God said, nope. You're looking on the outside. I'm looking on the inside. I found a leader, but I found the inside of a leader. He doesn't look like much on the outside, but he's got my heart. David walked in the room. God said, there he is. Didn't promote himself. Didn't say, hey, look at my slingshot skills. Check out my heart moves. Ooh, yeah. He didn't have to do any of that. His gifting went ahead of him because people heard when King Saul needed a, a harpist, they said, we know there's somebody who's skilled because they've been practicing in the obscurity of the field. From the field, he came to the, the palace. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that God's doing the same thing today. He's looking. He's searching. Man after my own heart. Woman after my own heart. Who, who's got my heart? Who's doing the right stuff in the dark so I can bring it to light? Who's ready? Who's ready when I open that and I've got a job to do? Who's ready No spot, no blemish, no, no stain that I haven't wiped away. Who's ready? And I pray that you and I are sitting there going, it's me, Lord. Choose me.
stay together. Thanks for checking out the Power Place audio podcast. If you want more resources for your walk with the Lord, you can visit us online at www.thepowerplace.org. You can check us out on YouTube and Facebook at The Power Place Church if you want to watch the service online. And if you want to give, you can text any amount to 84321 or visit the church website.